Hello, you're listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. We are a general interest independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. This year, because of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had to close our store and cancel in-person events. But Skylight is your neighborhood bookstore, and we are finding ways to create community even while we're far apart. In the coming weeks, we'll be putting out lots of new audio content to help you discover new books, connect with authors, and check in with your favorite booksellers. To learn more about how you can help keep Skylight alive, please visit our website at skylightbooks.com or check out our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hi, lovely listeners, and welcome back to Skylight. This is Skylight Books Podcast, and I'm your host, Kelsey. Skylight Books is an independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. We're open every day, uh, 11 to 7 on weekdays and 10 to 8 on weekends for curbside pickup and masked in-store browsing. Our, and our arts annex is now open as well. You can shop online at skylightbooks.com. You can check out our upcoming events on our Crowdcast page, crowdcast.io slash skylightbooks. And now onto our show. Today we have Farah Alexander. She is a writer whose work focuses on feminism, social justice, politics, and current events. Her work has been featured in Huffington Post, Bust, and Scary Mommy. Her commentary has been discussed in Scientific American, BuzzFeed, Refinery29, Yahoo, Hello Giggles, Woke Sloth, Cosmopolitan, Elle, Perez Hilton, Daily Mail, BBC, and others. Raising the Resistance, A Mother's Guide to Practical Activism is her debut book. She is a member of the Everytown Authors Council, which is designed to harness the power of the literary community to amplify the gun safety movement. She is a Jeremiah Fellow with Ben the Ark, a Jewish partnership for justice, along with a cohort of young progressive Jews dedicated to fighting white supremacy, anti-Semitism, and injustice. She holds a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science from Indiana University. She lives outside Louisville, Kentucky with her husband, son, and daughter. Hi, Farah. Hi, Kelsey. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. We're so happy to have you. Um, okay, so we're going to get started first with a, with a reading from, yeah. from Raising the Resistance. Absolutely. So right. I am going to read just a bit from my book, Raising the Resistance, A Mother's Guide to Practical Activism. And here we go. Things are so bad, this is being recorded. These moments are being etched forever in the history books of the future. Our grandchildren will study this time and want to know where you were and what you were doing. What you do now will shape what that moment looks like. What do you want to be proud to say? When you look back in history, do you see yourself as one of the good guys? Did you read Anne Frank's diary and think you would be the one breaking the law to save the Jews from certain death in Auschwitz? Well, you don't have to wonder what you would do. What are you doing now? There are concentration camps keeping migrants hostage while they wait in asylum purgatory to hear if they get to stay or sit back to their home countries where certain death awaits them. Did you read Letter from a Birmingham Jail? 
and believe you would have marched alongside Dr. King and fight for civil rights? Well, Black Lives Matter exists because Black lives are being senselessly, callously taken and the fight for their lives continues. There is an opportunity to affect change all around you. Mothers are in a unique position to change the present to affect the future. The resistance against bigotry, misogyny, and injustice is largely being led by women, especially mothers. Activists are out there pushing strollers as they protest or registering voters with babies on their hips. We not only have the heart for activism, we are raising the future. If we want to live in a world without the hatred and bigotry we see now, we need to teach our children about love and equality. What is so cool about being a mom and raising these little humans is that their world is whatever we make it. If we believe anything other than treating human beings with respect, dignity, and fairness is wrong, then we must teach them so that becomes their truth. If we want to make the future a kinder, more just place for our children to grow old, we need to do everything in our power to make it so. Whether it's managing your family's busy schedule between school assignments and extracurricular activities, or excelling in your career and still helping with your kids' homework, moms get it done. Might as well throw in bigotry and saving the world while we're at it. Wonderful. I love that. Thank you. Okay, so can you um, tell me a little bit about where the the project came from, how it how it began? Absolutely. So, um, like a lot of people in this country, after the election of twenty sixteen, I was feeling very overwhelmed and daunted and hopeless, <laughs> and um, I very soon discovered that I was not alone in that. And almost immediately after. After the election, there was um, a huge resistance movement forming. And so I quickly noticed that that movement was also being led by women and in particular mothers. So one of the best examples I saw of that was the Women's March, which became the largest single day protest in American history. And that was um, organized by four women, three of which were mothers. And one actually had a baby in between the election and the women's march and brought that baby wow. on stage. And I think that's incredible. So I um, noticed, you know, activists who are mothers and just mobilizing millions of women. And then I also noticed the women that they were mobilizing, many of them had never been engaged in politics at all. And so they needed a little guidance. And so I wanted to write a book, um, first of all, that was written for mothers and spoke a bit to um, mothers wanting to be engaged in political activism and um, speaks a little bit more to their identity and um, provide some guidance for people who either wanna deepen their involvement in political activism or wanna get politically engaged for the first time. So you weren't totally involved in, you weren't, did you consider yourself an activist before you wrote the, I guess before the election and before you wrote the book? Mm -hmm. um, hmm. 
what a great question. Let's see. I have always been politically engaged. Like um, the first time I became involved in any type of politics was when I like campaigned for John Kerry when I was um, a teenager in high school and couldn't vote. Yet. So um, I was always really interested in politics and engaged in politics and just had a passion for doing what is right. And, um, you know, I don't think I got really involved in activism or at least my involvement. It didn't become such a big part of my life until after the election, I can say. That. Yeah, you were paying attention and then. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Tipping yeah. point for sure. Um, so tell me about the process of writing it. I mean, uh, how did you go about it? You know, there's there's a lot of ways it could have gone. Um, in the process, tell, tell me about that. Hmm, okay, um, let's see. Well, I began, you know, I was, I was a stay-at-home mom and I, at the time of the election, I refer to the time of the election a lot because it just seems like- <laughs> Before, like BC, like, like before election and post-election, yeah. Exactly, so um, before the election, I was a stay-at-home mom to a toddler and a baby. And um, I also wrote because I've always written and I had a background in journalism. And so I tended to write a lot about what I knew. So I wrote a lot about parenting and I wrote about things like my favorite baby carriers and cloth diapers and things like that. And then um, as prior to the election, I became more and more concerned about um, the future and the state of the world that I was raising my children in. And so I began to write more about politics and what I saw as our duty to take a stand and rise against uh, bigotry and injustice and some of the things that I was seeing. And so that started to really influence my writing. And um, I saw a pretty big response to that. I saw a lot of mothers who felt similar, similarly. And um, so then I decided that I wanted to write a book because I've always wanted to write a book. And um, this was just important to me. It felt like um, an important book, an important thing to talk about. And, um, you know, often when I look at books in like the parenting genre, it talks a lot about breastfeeding and uh, pregnancy and sleep habits and things like that. But I don't see a lot of books about mom, even though these books are for moms, mm -hmm. they don't speak much to uh, the identity of moms beyond the role as moms. <laughs> and so I feel like raising the resistance goes a little bit further. It does talk about parenting. It talks about uh, toxic masculinity and things that are really important um, topics we as parents need to think about. But um, it also talks about being a mom and forging an identity outside of motherhood a little bit. So um, yeah, I that was kind of my motivation and the themes that I had in in my head as I was writing it. Um, and then in the editing process, um, you know, I, 
last minute, things changed a lot in this country. And, you know, I live right outside Louisville, Kentucky. And um, of course, the death of Breonna Taylor shook our community in the country. And um, so during that time, I wanted to incorporate a little bit more about the themes of anti-racism and racial justice. And I actually, in one part of the book, um, I talk about privilege and parenting. And I shared a little antidote about um, speaking to a black mother and how our concerns are very, very different. You know, I might be concerned about education and um, things like that. And this mother is concerned about her child being a hashtag. And um, so in that, I mentioned some black lives that have been senselessly taken. And I included Breonna Taylor in that list, which was very sobering. So um, throughout the process, I was able to make the book that was already a pretty timely book more timely. And um, yeah, so that's my book. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, the news is political, it's political whiplash, right? It's it's impossible yeah. to like fully keep up. And yeah. it would, this book would look different in a year from now or a year yeah. ago. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, um, it's cool though. I mean, uh, motherhood is often, siloed in so many ways like you're either a mom or you're not and so to incorporate incorporate the two feels you know important um how do you think that being how like the collective motherhood um makes people a little bit more inclined maybe not inclined uh better activists or better allies mm. Absolutely. Well, um, one thing that I found is that in parenthood, you have to make a lot of decisions. And um, I think that mothers have very strong opinions and a lot of passion. <laughs> and um, so in activism, it just really comes out and can be really powerful. I mean, you know, just take some of that like PTO energy onto the streets <laughs> and like, you know, it's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. So, um, you know, mothers just like, they tend to balance so many other things and um, they become very skilled at that. They're very um, compassionate and loving and nurturing in a lot of ways. And it just all of those things are so beneficial to political activism. And I think, you know, more than anything, we just have an enormous responsibility because we are raising the next generation. And, um, you know, that can feel really overwhelming at times, but um, it's also just a tremendous power because when you're feeling hopeless and daunted about the state of the world, you can really look at your kids and think, hey, you know, let's work on them. <laughs> and just that gives me a lot of hope to think about the next generation just being a little brighter, a little kinder. Uh, just gives me hope. Excellent. Um, so tell me about some of the guideposts um, along the way, authors, ideas, other books that helped shape this a little. 
Mm, absolutely. So um, in the back of my book, I actually have some resources that I really liked. So I referenced like some groups that I thought would be helpful. So um, I referenced a few different books that I thought were really powerful and just necessary reading for um, feminism and parenting. Uh, some of those were Women, Race, and Class by Angela Davis. Uh, Feminism is for Everybody by Bell Hooks, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Dr. Kendi. Um, let's see, uh, Fight Like a Mother by Shannon Watts. I love Shannon Watts. She is the, if you're not familiar, the founder of Moms Demand Action. And I think she's just a really, really incredible example of the power of a mother because she went from being a stay-at-home mom folding laundry who was outraged by the Sandy Hook shooting to forming one of the largest gun safety organizations in our country that um, outnumbers the NRA at this point. I think that's just incredible. And she actually uh, blurbed my book as well. She's on the cover and I just adore her. So um, yeah, I just have some references for um, some further reading that would be helpful. And then I also mention some organizations that um, are good starting places for people who want to get involved in political activism in their own communities. One, Black Lives Matter is fantastic and they have many, many chapters throughout the United States. Um, Bombs Demand Action is another wonderful one that has many um, statewide chapters. Mom Hugs is a really good organization. Um, for uh, the LGBTQ community. And I just love that because it's a good um, organization that just provides some of that mom love to the community and is warm and nice. And um, Planned Parenthood Action is another really good one that um, promotes women's health and reproductive justice. All right, listeners, you have your reading, your extra credit reading list and your organizations to research and, and donate to and get involved in. Yes. Um, okay, and then um, tell me something that happened um, that surprised you while you were writing this book. Oh, something that surprised me. Oh, goodness, so many things. Um, the world surprised me. <laughs> I mean, that has been the biggest thing to be honest um some topics got a lot heavier you know um I talk about Breonna Taylor a lot one because um I live in her community and I just but when I first heard of that case it just made me tremendously sad and we were deep in the middle of the pandemic and I just thought you know, this is someone who, if I were to get very sick and had to go to the hospital and went to the emergency room, it would be someone like Brianna Taylor who would have cared for me in my time of need. And I felt a duty to step up for her and demand justice now that she cannot do that for herself. And um, so just being here in the community and um, protesting 
and seeing some of the police brutality in response to protests of police brutality in Louisville has been very, very heavy. And that occurred, um, you know, at the very in stages of my book as I was awaiting publication. Mm. And so um, my book became a lot more urgent is how it felt to me as time went on. Um, I felt I'm proud of this book. I felt really good about it. And I just feel like more people need to read it. <laughs> you know, um, I think that women need to realize their power and their voices and um, just step up because we need them. We need compassionate people to um, step up and make a difference right now. And so, that's what surprised me more than anything was just what has happened in the world and how my book plays the role in that. Right. I'm curious about your community in Louisville. Um, mm -hmm. You know, obviously Kentucky is a red state, um, mm -hmm. but I'm curious about your community, um, you know, how it's maybe, have you seen it change, how your opinion of it has changed, you know, or evolved either, you know, as a mother, writing the book, et cetera. Hmm. Yeah, so my community is sort of interesting because I live, um, you know, Louisville, Kentucky is kind of a metro area that's on the border of Indiana and actually live in Indiana in a little town oh. in the metro area, yeah. And so in my town, for example, it's, um, very Bible belts, like, um, I think like 70 to 80% of the people in my town voted for Trump. And mm -hmm. so there's lots of Trump flags. Um, and I'm just very much in the minority. Here. <laughs> um, also as a Jew, I'm in the minority. And yeah. so as time has gone on and things have progressed, I've definitely been, um, more aware of, my position as a minority in this community and how that often feels isolating. But um, I have been leaning more on some of the amazing progressive friends that I have here. And it's just really incredible to see like some of the incredible black women in Louisville who have been leading this movement and showing unbelievable strength and bravery. Um, and some of the women running for political office right now when they're underdogs on the ballots and, um, you know, just all these people really inspire me and um, help keep me going because it can be kind of overwhelming and uh, daunting to be in a place like this sometimes, you know? Definitely. Um, yeah, but- Yeah, it's something that I think about a lot, you know, living in Los Angeles, you know, mm -hmm. Skylight is a very progressive place. The neighborhood that we're in is a very progressive neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's easy to get in our own echo chamber sometimes about about certain ideas and topics. And so I'm I'm always curious about um, about neighborhoods that don't look like that, like that are, you know, that have a mix that are either heavily conservative or partially it's, um, it's yeah. always, you know, it's, re it's really interesting to see. And like, I think it's really, um, it, it kind of 
the divisiveness kind of shows you who your friends are or like who you, who you can trust yeah. a little yeah. bit. Yes. It's not, yes, it's it not does. always pleasant, but it does like mm-hmm. illuminate. Yeah. It's fascinating because, um, you know, I, I have to coexist with, right. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people that I disagree with and, you know, sometimes I do think there's some potential for changing hearts and minds and getting people to think differently. And that's really encouraging and um, gives me a little bit of hope too. And sometimes it's really hard to like know when those times and places are. Yes. And to feel very like comfortable with it or confident at least with it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It absolutely is. Um, okay. So let's see. Um, what do you envision for the life of this book? Whose hands do you hope it gets into? Mm. I mean, besides everyone, everyone. No. <laughs> okay. That's what everybody said. Um, well, I really would like to get it into the hands of, um, mothers who are feeling overwhelmed right now, politically, that's the big audience. So, um, any mother who, thinks things could be better and they want to be a part of that in any way. I would love to get my book to those mothers. But, um, you know, I think I had kind of a key audience in mind. And so far I've found a lot of people outside of that audience who have um, really enjoyed the book and got a lot out of it. So, you know, I had like millennial mothers in mind a lot because I'm a millennial mother and that's just what I had in mind. But um, I've heard from grandmothers who have really enjoyed the book and got something out of it, which I think is incredible because there's, you know, a lot of progressive grandmothers out there who are doing amazing work or finding their political voices for the first time, which I think is absolutely incredible. And um, I've also heard some from from some fathers, which I think is important as well, because I, you know, one thing I talked about in the book is that this um, idea that mothers are like inherently best at parenting and they're naturally um, nurturing and yada, 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 all that is actually untrue. You know, it's mostly just society. The, the patriarchy. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, fathers should be just as involved as mothers and just as invested in parenting and these same ideas. So I've loved that um, fathers have taken an interest in this book and I've even heard from single men who enjoy the book. So, um, you know, it's really anyone who believes in a better world and wants to be a part of that. But um, yeah, definitely mothers who want to get a little bit more engaged in political activism. I would love to get the book to them. For sure. Um, Do you have any advice for people who are considering becoming parents? And for example, I am, I am, I'm married and childless and I, I would, you know, I want children, but the, the political landscape scares me a little bit. Um, and it feels like something to consider. Do you have any, any thoughts or advice on that demographic? Absolutely. Yeah. And I really, um, 
my heart goes out to you all, truly, because if you have um, any inclination that you want to have children right now, that feels heavy too, doesn't it? You know, um, this is a difficult time. Two of my best friends had babies this year. And, you know, I know that had to be so incredibly difficult for them. And, you know, 2020, the year that it's just an absolute dumpster fire. And then they um, are creating new life and bringing that into the world. And that feels very heavy and overwhelming and different. And um, you're robbed of a lot of things that you associated with that moment. But at the same time, it has provided so much joy and love in such a dark time, you know, um, seeing one of my best friends, Kara, she has a beautiful, beautiful child that she just had uh, about a month ago. And um, it's just been incredible to see this new life that has no idea what a dumpster fire is <laughs> burning around. They will. <laughs> they will. But it has been amazing and a real source of hope. And so I would just encourage anyone, if you want to have children and that's just part of the vision you had for your life, I would encourage you not to abandon that and to forge forward and be brave. And it's going to be okay. You are not in this alone. And I just believe in you. And we need more wonderful people in the world. And I have no doubt that you will bring them into the world. So please do it. <laughs> wow, that feels like a really beautiful place to end. Um, quite, quite inspired. Um, <laughs> So I think I will, I will wrap it there. Um, Farrah, do you have any other, any final thoughts for our, for our listeners? Um, for goodness sake, please vote. <laughs> this is right. We are eight days away from the election as, yeah. of, as of the recording, this will go, I assume, I think this will go live before the election. So <laughs> if it's live and you're listening, please vote. Yes, please. It is the most accessible way to engage in political activism, vote. Vote, vote, vote. All right. Yeah. Well, this was a really lovely conversation. Farah Alexander, author of Raising the Resistance, A Mother's Guide to Practical Activism. Um, thank you so much for joining us and um, best of luck with the book. Thank you so much, Kelsey. It was and, a pleasure. And listeners, you can buy the book uh, on our website, skylightbooks.com. Thank you, everyone. Well, See you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon. I see.